0: Well, good morning, people of hope. Although we can't be together this morning, we have not ceased being the church because the church is not a building. We are the church. We are the body and Christ is the head. Colossians tells us that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is before all things. So join with me in praising him this morning.
1: he
2: is before all things he is the image of invisible god he is before all things he is the firstborn over all creation by him and for him Thrones to powers, rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him. He is before all things. He is ahead of By him and for him and in him are all things, in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him. There's nothing that is above him, nothing that surprises him
0: nothing that is out of his grasp or out of his control he is bigger and stronger and greater than any other greater than our worries greater than our fears greater than our struggles and our sickness greater than our sin greater over death for he
2: is almighty god and his name is jesus 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus For by Him and for Him and in Him are all things in heaven Visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him, for by Him and for Him and in Him are all things in heaven and earth. Visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers things were created by him he is before all things he is the image of invisible God
0: well will you join with me in prayer God we praise you today for your sovereignty We praise you that you are in control of everything that happens in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. We praise you that you are the great healer and great provider. We pray today that your healing power would be seen in the lives of the many who are struggling with this coronavirus and for many who are fearful of what is going on in our world today. We pray as well that you might powerfully provide for those who are struggling at this time, getting the supplies that they need for their family or financially providing for their family's needs. God, we pray that you would use this time to make yourself known and seen by many in our church, community and world. We do not fear today because you are our God. You are all powerful, always merciful and always good. We ask for your continued blessing on the people of our church and on our church as a whole. May we be a light to our community in these dark times. We pray these things in the name of the one who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the creator of everyone and everything, the head of the body, Jesus our Savior. Amen.
1: Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words are they quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Amen.
3: Well, as we begin this morning, I'd like to let you know that the sermon outline is online. So if you want to refer to that, please look at it as we go through the sermon today. And as we begin, let me begin with a question. Are you tired? Most of you would say that you are very tired. You are tired not just from the nonstop busyness of life, but now you are tired from dealing with all of the unpleasant changes in your life that have come with the coronavirus. But the truth is, you were tired even before the virus hit. I realized how tired I was when I was in Haiti a few weeks ago with our missions team from the church. One of the ways that we served the people of Haiti was to bring clean water into City Soleil, the poorest slum in the Western Hemisphere located right in the capital city of Port-au-Prince. There is no running water in City Soleil. And so twice a week, the mission Healing Haiti, the mission that we were partnering with as a church, brought in clean water to this slum in a large truck. The water from the truck was put into people's buckets through a hose, and the people then would bring those buckets home. And that is where our mission team from Hope Baptist Church came in. We would carry those 10-gallon buckets of water with us to people's homes. And after carrying those buckets full of water in 90 degree heat for the whole day, I realized something. I am seriously out of shape. At the end of the day, one of our mission team members said that the rest of the team was going to a a local pool to cool off and to relax. She asked me if I wanted to go. I told her, I don't want to go to a pool, I want to go to bed. And so that's what I did. I took a nap, and as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was gone. I was so tired. I desperately needed to rest. Some of you are in the same place this morning. You are tired, though, not only physically. You are tired spiritually. You are tired, honestly, of living the Christian life. You're tired of fighting temptation. You're tired of the trials of life here on this earth. You're tired of the rejection that comes with being a Christian. And you'd really like some rest. The promise of Hebrews chapter 4 that we just read is that rest is available, and rest is coming for us as Christians. And that rest was not produced by Joshua in the Old Testament— that rest comes only through Jesus. Jesus is a greater Joshua. Jesus gives a greater rest. This morning, I'd like for us to ask and answer some questions about the rest that is described in Hebrews chapter 4. The, question, the first question I'd like to address is, what is the rest that God offers to his people? Originally, God's promised rest, referred to the promised land in Canaan. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, the author quotes from King David in Psalm 95, verses 7 to 11. And in Psalm 95, David was giving to the people a history lesson. The lesson was from the days of the great Jewish heroes Moses and Joshua. Moses led the people of Israel right up to the edge of the promised land led them to the promised land of Canaan, after they had been delivered from the land of slavery in Egypt. And then after Moses died, Joshua led the armies of Israel into the promised land of Canaan. But something happened to many of the people of Israel before they were allowed to enter into Canaan. Verse 7 talks about how many of the Israelites hardened their hearts. They rebelled against God and they did some things that showed that they were not interested in obeying God. So they complained against God. As a result, God judged those rebellious Israelites, and they were not allowed to enter into the good promised land. This promised land was supposed to be the people's rest. But they were not allowed to enter into this rest because of their disobedience and rebellion against God. So instead, God judged them, and they died in the wilderness. Now, this promised land of Canaan is a picture of the ultimate promised land. It is a picture that only Jesus could fulfill. It's a picture of the rest that Jesus could fulfill in heaven. The rest, then, that God is offering to you is the rest of heaven. But in Psalm 95, King David, writing hundreds of years after the days of Joshua, invited the Israelites of his day to enter into rest, God's rest. We read David's quoted words in verse 7 of Hebrews 4. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, I'm sure that some of the Israelites reading David's words were saying to themselves, Wait a minute, David. Haven't we already entered into the promised land? Haven't we already entered into God's rest? Aren't we already here? How then can you say that today we still need to enter into God's rest? David must have been talking about a greater rest than the land of Canaan, the promised land. And for that matter, the author of Hebrews, writing over a thousand years after David, must have been talking about a greater rest than the people of his day had also not yet entered. For in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, the author says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. The rest that the writer of Hebrews is referring to is obviously not the promised land of Canaan. It must be a different rest that he wants his Christian readers to enter. And it is, in fact, a greater rest that he is offering to his readers. This greater rest is revealed in Hebrews 4 and verse 8. There, the writer of Hebrews says, If Joshua had given them rest... God would not have spoken of another day later on. So even though the great Jewish hero, Joshua, had led the Israelites into the promised land, God still spoke about another rest hundreds of years later through King David. And a thousand years later than David, the author of Hebrews, spoke about another greater rest that the church of the first century needed to enter into, what is that greater rest? Heaven. The author of Hebrews is saying that Joshua was a hero who got God's people into the promised land of Canaan. But if you want to enter into the promised land of heaven, you need a second Joshua to lead you there. You need Jesus. This is clear in the Greek New Testament. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. Joshua, though, is a Hebrew name. Do you know what the name Joshua is in Greek? Jesus. The name Joshua in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 8 is spelled exactly the same way as the name Jesus is spelled in the New Testament. Jesus, then, is the greater Joshua. Joshua led the Israelites to the rest of the promised land of Canaan. But Jesus can lead you to the rest of the promised land of heaven. Jesus is greater. Jesus offers to us a better rest than Joshua. Can I ask you this morning, what kind of a rest are you looking forward to? Some people really look forward to the rest. Of the weekend. These people say, Thank God it's Friday. No more work. I can just rest. I can relax and do what I want to do. Other people are are looking forward to the rest of a vacation. These people need more than just a weekend, they need a vacation, a serious vacation, to get away from everything that is stressing them out. But think with me for a moment. Does even a vacation give you the rest that you really need and want? Or do many times you come back from your vacation saying, I am just as tired at the end of my vacation as when I began it. I need a vacation from my vacation. I think most of us would say, I need a greater rest than just a weekend or a vacation I need something more. I need something better. Jesus offers to you today a rest that is greater and better. Jesus offers to you the rest of heaven. Well, here's a second question we can ask about this rest in Hebrews 4. What is this rest like? This is another way of asking, what is heaven going to be like? The writer of Hebrews says that heaven is going to be joining God in his heavenly Sabbath. We read in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 4, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So why did God rest on the seventh day of creation? It wasn't because God was tired. God is not like us as human beings. God never gets tired. So after he finished his work of creation, God didn't say, Wow, creating the universe was just so exhausting for me. I seriously need a rest. No, God did not say that. God rested from his work, though, in the sense that he was finished with the work of creation by the seventh day the work of creation was now done and so god rested from his work and in the same way that god rested from his work when we join god in heaven we also will rest from our work look at verses 9 and 10 of hebrews 4 so then there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Heaven, then, is an eternal Sabbath. God rests from his work, and we rest from our works when we experience the Sabbath of heaven. What works do we rest from? Well, we didn't create the universe, so obviously we don't rest from the work of creation like God does. But when we get to heaven, we will rest. We will rest from the trials and the temptations and the persecutions of life on this earth. There will be no more pain in heaven. There will only be joy. I'd like for us to read together from Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, some wonderful words. We read there, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In heaven, we will have rest from our tears. We will have rest from our loneliness. We will have rest from death. We will have rest from sadness. We will have rest from pain. All of those bad things that we must deal with on this earth will be gone. But in heaven, we will finally rest from the pain that we have endured in our work here on earth. In heaven, there will only be the joy that we experience on our Sabbath days. I'd like for us to think a little bit more about this connection between the Sabbath day And heaven. Do you know what Jews even today call the Sabbath day? The Jews refer to the Sabbath as a taste of heaven. In other words, if you have celebrated the Sabbath day properly, you will have experienced a taste of heaven and what heaven will be like. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? God gives to us a preview of heaven every Sabbath day in which we Christians celebrate on Sundays. Every Sabbath we Christians worship God and we stand in awe of how great God is and we will do the same thing in heaven. Every Sabbath day, We Christians also express our love to God and our love to our fellow Christians. And we will do the same thing in heaven. Every Sabbath day we live in sweet fellowship with God and with God's people. And of course in heaven we will do the same thing. The purpose of the Sabbath day, the reason why God gave to you the gift of Sunday is to give you as a Christian a taste, just a small taste of what heaven will be like. So, church, what do you say to yourself at the end of your Sundays? What do you say at the end of your Sabbath? Do you say, "Huh, eh, that was just another day? Or do you say, oh, I'm so tired still, and I have to go back to work on Monday"? Or do you say, today gave me an idea of what heaven will be like. If heaven is going to be like today, I can't wait to go to heaven. Church, I hope you say that. I hope you say that your Sundays are a taste of heaven. If your Sundays are not currently a taste of heaven for you, Why don't you ask God for his help to bring you to that place in your life? Why don't you pray every Sunday morning, God, show me what heaven is going to be like today. I want to taste heaven today. Would you please give me just a little slice of heaven? This is the Sabbath rest that God wants you to experience God wants you to experience that rest on Sunday and throughout eternity. Years ago, two men had to clear a field of trees. The contract called for them to be paid by the tree. Well, Bill went to work. He grunted and he sweated, swinging his axe relentlessly to cut down the trees. Ed, on the other hand, seemed to be working about half as fast as Bill. He even took a rest and sat off to the side for a few minutes every so often. Well, Bill kept chopping away until every muscle and tendon in his body was screaming. At the end of his day, Bill was terribly sore, but he noticed that Ed was smiling. And what's more, Ed had cut down more trees. And so Bill was confused. He said, how did you outwork me? Ed smiled and he said, did you notice that I was sharpening my axe while I rested? You see, rest made Ed more profitable than Bill. Rest allowed him to get more accomplished and to live in a good way throughout his day. And when we rest on Sabbath, we are also living in such a way that is more profitable for us. As we rest, we are preparing ourselves for heaven. So church, stop on the Sabbath. Rest. Enjoy your God and enjoy God's people. This rest of the Sabbath day will prepare you for the joyful Sabbath the joyful Sabbath rest we will experience in heaven. Well, the final question we answer from Hebrews chapter 4 is, how do we enter into this rest? This is the most important question that you could ask yourself. How do I enter into the rest of heaven? The first answer might surprise you. Fear. Fear. Verse 1 says, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Be afraid, the author is saying, that you will not enter into the rest of heaven. And verse 6 says, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. You see, the people in Moses and Joshua's day, they had heard the good news about the promised land. But they disobeyed God, and they did not enter the promised land. And so the author is saying, be afraid that the same thing might happen to you this coronavirus that is spreading throughout the world has exposed a lot of our fears we are afraid of sickness we are afraid of dying we are afraid of what is happening to our economy we are afraid of what we are seeing is happening to our retirement accounts we are afraid of many things But there is one thing, by and large, that we are not afraid of as a society. We have not feared God. We have not feared missing out on the rest of heaven. But the writer of Hebrews says, This should be your greatest fear. You should fear our holy God and his hatred for sin. And you should fear Missing out on heaven because of your stubborn disobedience and sin. So the writer is saying to us, May your fear of missing out on heaven drive you to make sure that one day you will enter into the rest of the promised land of heaven. The second answer of how we enter into the rest of the heaven is through faith. Verse 2 gives us the negative example of those people who heard the good news about the promised land in Moses and Joshua's day, but they did not enter into the promised land. We read in verse 2, For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So these Israelites heard the message of good news, but they had no faith in it. In a sense, they went to church every week, and they heard the message that was given to them through Moses, but they did not combine listening with faith. If they had faith, they would have obeyed God's words that were given to them through Moses. So church, take what I am about to say very seriously. There are some people who are listening to this message today about entering into heaven who will not enter heaven. Some people who are listening to me today do not really trust Jesus. They don't trust that they need Jesus to save them. They don't trust that Jesus died for them. They think that they can save themselves by their own good works or by their another different religion, but they are wrong. We need faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus alone to save us. For those who have faith in Jesus, we have the wonderful words of verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. We who have faith in Jesus will be in heaven with Jesus. So will you be there? That is the important question. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Are you showing your faith in Jesus by obeying his commands? The third and final answer of how to make sure that we will enter into the rest of heaven is to fight. Fear, faith, and fighting will lead you to enter heaven. We see the fight that we need to engage in verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This word strive is a very important word. It will take a lot of energy and effort to make it into heaven. Now, some of you might be confused by that statement. After all, we have just said that we are not saved by our own good works. We are only saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. And that is entirely true. But although we are not saved by our efforts, the Christian life still involves effort and hard work. It involves perseverance Every true Christian will persevere in their faith. Every true Christian must persevere in their faith. Real Christians stay in the fight as they make their way toward heaven. In the New Testament, Christians are compared to athletes, to soldiers, and to mothers in labor. Do you know what all of these people have in common? They all work Very hard. Let's imagine a mother in labor for a moment. She's about halfway through her labor when, in between contractions, she turns to her doctor and she says, This. I think there's something wrong going on here. This is really hard. It shouldn't be this hard to have a baby. Now, what do you think the doctor would say in response? I think the doctor would say, there's a reason why they call this labor. It is hard work to have a baby. So keep at it. Persevere. Soon you will have the joy of having a baby. Some of you in these days of fear and anxiety and virus are saying, it shouldn't be so hard to be a Christian. I am so tired. Am I doing something wrong here? No. Trust me. And more importantly, trust the Word of God. If you are tired in living the Christian life, it is supposed to be that way. The Christian life is a life of striving, it's a life of expending your energy, it's a life of hard work and perseverance. But the good news of the gospel is this, rest is coming. The rest of heaven will be yours if you keep your faith in Christ. So don't give up, keep your eyes on the finish line. Soon you will enjoy the ultimate rest, the rest of being with Jesus in heaven. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the promise of this rest, this rest that you want us to enter into in heaven. We pray, Lord, for those who have heard this message who are not sure if they will enjoy that rest. We pray that you will enable them to be sure of their eternal future. We pray that you will help them to find a way to have assurance of their own salvation. And we pray as well, Lord, for those who are tired, for those who feel like giving up. We pray that you would empower them to persevere, give them the strength that they need to continue to follow you. And I pray that one day they will enter into the rest of heaven. In your great name we pray, amen.
0: Well, we thank you for taking part in our service this morning. We're going to put some questions up on the screen for you to be able to discuss with your family or with your growth group right now or this week, and we would encourage you as they go along with the message that Pastor Glenn just gave to discuss those together as a family. We hope that you are safe,
3: and we hope that you have a great week.